I had the absolute privilege uh, the a few days ago to go through the Walker Art Center's brand new exhibit, multiple rooms on Pasita Abad, a complete retrospective of her career. She is a spectacular artist, and frankly, the I, I love I love how she uses color and brightness. It's exactly the art you need to see right now because it is perfect. It is absolutely perfect. Uh, it is a major installation here over her entire 32-year career. It is at the Walker right now. Joining us right now is Victoria Sung. She is the curator for this exhibit. I should mention here, she is now currently in California. She's the, the Phyllis uh, Wada Senior Curator of the Berkeley Art Museum and the Pacific Film Archive. She was uh, curating at the Walker Art uh, Center in Minneapolis, she or, where she organized some of the most acclaimed exhibitions. Her final exhibit is indeed the Pasita Abad exhibit, uh, a retrospective ex exhibit on the contemporary Philippine-American artist. Uh, she is kind enough to join us today to talk about putting that entire display together. Uh, Victoria, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate the time. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to to be talking with you. Well, you you laid out. I was there when we went through the 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 exhibit. It is first of all, congratulations. This is spectacular. There is something really nice. I don't care who the artist is to be able to get a retrospective of their career and to see you know, them in kind of in all stages of their career is truly a a special thing. And you guys did a magnificent job with Basita Abad. Thank you. And, and of course, it was such a huge team effort at the Walker, and we were so thrilled to be able to be, you know, the institution uh, to put together, as you said, her first ever retrospective. Talk a little bit about it, because I've seen one or two of her pieces. I did not know how many pieces she had, which there are pretty, most of, a lot of them there at the Walker right now. Yes. But why don't you give a little bit of background who exactly is Pasita Abad? Sure. So... <laughs> This is always a tricky question because um, she was such a multifaceted artist, and her husband, um, Jack, had described her to me as kind of like, you know, trying to wrap your head around Pasita was like tangling with an octopus because she has so many different arms. Uh, but if I could try to boil it down, she was, you know, incredibly multi-talented, um, an artist who traveled the world. And by that, I mean, she really traveled. She lived, worked and traveled to over 60 countries on six uh, continents in her 32 year career. And she was incredibly prolific. She made thousands of artworks. Uh, they were monumental in scale. And she really transcended boundaries in her making. So in particular, she um, collapsed any type of distinction between painting and quilting. So many of the works that you'll see in the Walker exhibition are kind of this hybrid form of painting and quilting. Well, and that's that's one of the first things I wanted to talk about because it is really unique. I mean, she she you know obviously, like I said, you don't generally see these two things together too often. And, and I've loved the rise in, and I've seen this in a few different museums, the rise of, of, of textile art. And we're doing more of that. We're seeing more of that. I think we're appreciating more of it. Um, talk a little bit about that because that is that seemed to be fairly unique. I've, I've not seen someone do exactly what she was able to pull together with the, the multimedia. Totally, yeah. And I think you're very right that, you know, these days in contemporary art, we're seeing more and more artists who are working in textiles in really interesting ways. But I think in that way, Pasita was such a visionary. And, you know, she was really one of the pioneers in doing this, if you think about it, that she was making these works, you know, in the early 80s to the early 2000s. Um, but, you know, she started making these works as she was traveling. And in part, it was 
a practical consideration because she was moving from country to country. And, you know, she was working really big. Some of these canvases are uh, up to 16 or 20 feet, you know, tall. Um, and she couldn't carry these stretched canvases with her. So in some ways, it was a practical solution to roll up her canvases. And then, you know, she would just stuff them into these big duffel bags um, as they were moving around. But for her, she was, you know, so inspired by different textile traditions as she was traveling to different countries and many countries in different parts of the global south. And so she wanted to incorporate these textile traditions intentionally to really highlight, you know, what at that time was seen as these kind of feminized, non-Westernized forms of labor. So it was a really kind of, you know, intentional, poignant um, act to kind of bring in what at the time in, you know, Western uh, art circles was considered, quote unquote, craft. Mm -hmm. Her her pieces are are are, are brilliant. Uh, I, I I let's talk a little bit of, about a few of them if you don't mind. Uh, you had a, there's a display you put up there about masks, and this is a series of pieces that she did on traditional masks in different parts of the world. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Talk yeah. A, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, you know, as she was traveling and, and she was you know seeing what other artists and makers were. Um, doing not just in textiles, but, you know, carving out of wood or making out of stone or making bits of jewelry. Um, she was incorporating all of that into her artwork. So even though she was working primarily in textiles, she was very inspired by mask-making traditions, and in particular, kind of the power of masking traditions to tell both individual stories and kind of collective stories. Mm -hmm. And so she made an entire series starting in the 80s, specifically around masks and spirits, and in the exhibition, we were able to bring together, actually, one of her most monumental um, public installations. This was a 50-foot-long uh, installation that she made for the Washington, D.C. Metro Center in 1990. And so these six works that made up that installation are at the Walker, again, uh, for the first time in, in over 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, but for her, again, masks, you know, allowed for a multiplicity of identities. They allowed their wearers to, as she said, you know, be who you are now and, and someone else in a, in a different version of yourself. So she loved kind of the, the flexibility and openness um, that many traditions and cultures look to uh, in terms of masking. How, I mean, what, can I ask about those, pain, uh, those, uh, those pieces? Were they all still together or did you guys, I mean, as a curator, did you have to go track those down? We had to track them down. Wow. Yeah, they had been dispersed uh, and in different collections, some in private collections, some with the artist estate, and some, you know, in public institutions. Mm -hmm. So it was a process of tracking them down and, and, you know, really pleading that all of these could be back together again as, as the artist uh, intended. How, how long did you work on this, this exhibit? My goodness, just what you just described there. I have to imagine this has been years in the making. Yeah, for sure. So I would say officially three years and definitely longer than that for the research process. Wow. Um, but it, because so many of the works were coming from all over the world, uh, it's, it's a very long process to try to track works down and, you know, see them in person, um, make sure there aren't any conservation issues, and mm -hmm. then, of course, work with our lenders to make sure that we can bring them safely to Minneapolis. The piece uh, "Flight to Freedom." Uh, you showed that one and talked about that one. Uh, you know the the concept of social justice and, and highlighting 
um, the, the 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 people who are you know the less the you know what are considered to be the lesser people the people that are abused the people that are are stri- struggling and striving trying to to be there it, she really did bring that in she she did not shy away from highlighting uh, the struggles of, of the people of the world definitely not yeah and I think that's important to recognize that even though she was working you know with such exuberant colors and in such a rich material way. So much of her content was driven by her interest in social issues. So she actually, you know, uh, came from a political family in the Philippines. She thought she was going to be a politician herself, Mm -hmm. came to the United States, actually, thinking she was going to study or continue her law studies, and then, you know, switched careers to become an artist. But her, again, fighting for social justice and political justice in particular, is something that never left her in her artistic career. So the works that you're talking about are part of her early social realist series. These are some of her first paintings made in the late 70s when she was living in Thailand. And in particular, at the time, this was at the height of the Cambodian refugee crisis. Mm -hmm. And so she was there, you know, on the border between Thailand and Cambodia, visiting many of these refugee camps, talking to individuals and photographing them, sketching them, painting them eventually into these monumental murals. And the work that you just mentioned, Flight to Freedom, is, I think, 15 feet long. And so she really intended this to be a traveling mural in the vein of, you know, Diego Rivera or or some of the other Mexican muralists. But she wanted, you know, and she has this very powerful quote where she says, you know, after the media coverage ends, I want my paintings to continue staring at you. Mm -hmm. Because she wanted to agitate people, you know, to not just, um, be empathetic towards others, but also to stir them into action. Uh, Victoria Song is joining us right now. She's a curator of uh, the uh, Pasita Abad exhibit over at the Walker, and I cannot, as a fan of the arts, you've got to go see this. It really is. It Not only is it a spectacular artist, but it's so great to see any retrospective here. One of the things which is, is great is towards the end, she apparently got into scuba diving at some point, and it conveyed over into her art pieces. You have She did, as you talk about the size of some of these pieces, there are the massive uh, pieces that she did. Uh, this is the last room of the exhibit, which are truly spectacular of undersea uh, you know, scenes, correct? Yes, yeah. So it's a full room that um, we really wanted to convey kind of this, you know, underwater subaquatic realm. Um, and it's this entire series of works that she made in the mid-80s. And as you said, you know, she learned how to scuba dive. She grew up on a very, very tiny island in the Philippines called Batanes but never learned how to swim growing up. So when she was adult, she, you know, she learned how to swim. And not only that, she learned how to scuba dive. Um, so as she was, you know, doing this, she was introduced to this incredibly rich subaquatic realm of texture and color and pattern. And she brought all of that into the making of these works. So it's a really, you know, exuberant finale, mm-hmm. but also, you know, there's somewhat of a political undercurrent in those works as well. Um, because, you know, she was making these works in the Philippines in the mid-80s. This is really right at the time when the Marcos regime was, there were huge protests against the dictatorship, and the Marcos family was being ousted from the Philippines. So she showed these in the same year. Um, So it's really interesting to think about how she was, you know, talking about the Philippines, but in a way that wasn't immediately apparent. You actually, I, I, I got a little bit emotional at one point. You were, we were talking about the paintings, and uh, you came across, I think it's three paintings you have up in one of the rooms, and it is, is as she was dying. 
and yes. uh, and and basically she was they're different and you said they're different than the other paintings she did because as and I think uh, correct me and I'm, I'm paraphrasing you can correct me how I say this but it was like she was trying to get every bit of out, art out of her before she passed away and so she made these fairly stunning pieces which are there but it, it really it you know as I looked at them I can you could see what you were talking about that this was there almost seemed to be a frantic nature to them. Completely, yeah, and I think those are some of my favorite, you know, favorite paintings in the show because it was at a time when, you know, this is the early 2000s, she had just been diagnosed with cancer, she was going through different treatments, but for her, painting was a lifeline, and you can see that in the works because they have, you know, from what from afar at first glance may appear to be this kind of busy, frantic nature, but then when you understand when and how and why she was making them, you really see that she just wanted to get everything out that she could onto mm. her canvases because she felt like she didn't have too much time. Mm. So I think they're incredibly poignant, powerful works and also so skilled. Like she had just mastered, you know, over three decades of working as an artist she finally felt like she had the tools that she needed to really do what she wanted to do. And so it was, you know, too sad that her, her life was cut short in 2004. Um, but these were her, you know, some of her very final works. And I think they're some of the most powerful. I, I got a chat with Jack, her husband, who is there. Yeah. And uh, it, it, was, it was actually just fascinating talking with him. And he, he talked about the, them coming to the Walker, I think it was, what, in 72, 73? They were driving through the state, yes. and they came on through. <laughs> and she, and she, he had said, she, at that point, she had said something to the fact that, I, I, you know, I, I'd love to have a piece in there at some point, which, okay, mission accomplished. Uh, you know, but, she, you know, he, 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 we were there. It was right in the very beginning of the exhibit. It's the piece that he's featured in. And, and, it was, and you could tell for him there was a lot of emotion as he was able to walk through this exhibit. Oh, definitely. And, you know, Jack and his wife, Christy, and Pio Abad from the Artist Estate um, have been so critical in organizing this exhibition because it, it's really, you know, I've seen this kind of exhibition as really the, the culmination of a long love letter from Jack to Pasita. Mm. Um, it's really thanks to him that he has, you know, cared for all of Pasita's artworks for so many decades when museums weren't paying her any attention right? They weren't looking to bring her work into the collection. And so now it's really wonderful to see this incredible resurgence of interest in her practice. But for so long, you know, art historians and curators weren't taking her seriously. So um, I think it is, you know, incredibly rewarding and emotional um, in some ways for Jack. And he's, you know, he's, again, been such an amazing caretaker mm-hmm. over the years i was we were walking through the exhibit and I, I couldn't help but look back and he was usually one gallery behind us and you could see the emotion and just the pride and the happiness the sadness you could see that as he was going through all the pieces and you know it, it truly was this is a you know for for him this entire exhibit is a love letter a letter to his wife and i i think you guys as as the writers of the letter you it's just so well done there Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, you know, it's really funny and, and wonderful in talking to Jack about the works. He's, he's talked about them as like being reunited with old friends yeah. because for so long, you know, he hadn't seen many of these works unrolled and, you know, unfurled from storage. 
because uh, they were in storage for so long. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really wonderful, um, wonderful reunion. We're not going to talk about I want people to go see it. Go see There's a door there she made. you got to go see that. That thing is <laughs> one of the best things I've ever seen. And practical, too, which is amazing. I love that, too. Uh, this is How long is this exhibit going on at the Walker? So it'll be on view until early September. So mm. there are a few more months to catch it. And then it goes on a national tour to um, oh, nice. San Francisco, New York, and then uh, to Toronto. Oh, so well-deserved. I'm so glad to hear there's going to be a national tour of this afterwards. Yeah, we're so excited. And, and we put together you know, a major catalog um, alongside the show that features uh, this incredible oral history project that we did because Casita is no longer living and with us. Um, we were able to talk to so many of her artist friends, curator friends, but also just, you know, everyday friends and family that knew her. And so it was such a rewarding project. So we really hope the exhibition in the book give people a, a strong sense of who she was as an artist and a person. One final thing, just want to say congratulations. Uh, our loss is Berkeley's gain. Congratulations on moving out there. All my best on your, uh, your new position out at uh, Berkeley Art Museum. Thank you so much. You left with a bang. (laughs) Not many people. That's like hitting a grand slam home run on your final at bat and walking out of the stadium. Nicely done. It's an it's an exuberant finale, and I'm so happy to to have worked with the Walker team. They're absolutely incredible. So thank you, Victoria Sung. Once again, go to the Walker, go see the Pasita Abad exhibit. It is exceptional. It's there until September. You do want to do not miss this. Do not miss this. This is going to be one of those exhibits you're going to be kicking yourself if you do not go see go see it. Uh, Victoria, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care.